Today on Know the Truth, a lesson from Philip DeCourcy. What will I lose in what I gain if I do it without God's blessing? That's a question that you need to keep asking yourself. Remember, in the end, disobedience robs God of His glory and it robs us of the blessing of God which makes rich and adds no sorrow to it. thousands of years, men and women have understood the virtues of good hard work. And in an uncertain economy, it's likely we appreciate the privilege of a steady job more than ever. Well, today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy looks at biblical principles found in Proverbs in a series called That Makes Good Sense. During the next half hour, we'll discover the blessings of a hard day's work and the pitfalls of becoming greedy from gain. It's the conclusion of a lesson titled Managing Your Money, Part 2. If you need to catch up on part one, you'll find it online at ktt.org. Here's Philip. Wisdom in the book of Proverbs is not greedy for gain. Better to be content in the will of God with little than to find yourself out of the will of God with much. It matters a great deal how money is made. And so for a few moments, let's actually think about that. The book of Proverbs tells us how to make it and how not to make it. How are we to make our money? Number one, through hard work and honest work. Diligent and intelligent work is one of the proper ways to gain wealth. Proverbs 10 verses 4 to 5, just one example of that. He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He gathers in summer. He who gathers in the summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in the harvest is a son who causes shame. The God of the Bible is a working God. We are made in his image and the God of the Bible expects us to work just as he works. In Proverbs chapter six, we're told to go and look at the ant. Proverbs six, verse six through eight. There's a number of reasons because if you look at the ant, you'll see the ant is busy and industrious. There's a great lesson there to be learned. Things come through hard work. Another thing about the ant is they have no commanders. They are servants to each other. They are organized. There's there's no competition among ants. Another great lesson. But here's the other lesson. They're very um, thoughtful. They think ahead. They gather in the summer. They gather in the autumn or the harvest time, according to uh, Proverbs 6 and verse 8, preparing themselves for a cold and barren winter. And so here we have a principle of saving and wisely investing. I'll give you one verse that ties in with that. Go to Proverbs 13, verse 11. Initially, you'll probably miss it if you've got a King James or a new King James. It reads this way, Wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished, but he who gathers by labor will increase. Proverbs 13, 11. The word labor there is a Hebrew term that means in the hand or the steady hand. In fact, the NIV probably catches the flavor of it when it translates that verse like this. He who gathers money, almost in his hand, little by little will see it grow. That's the point of that. He who gathers by labor, by a steady hand, by applying himself, little by little, as he goes, exercising wise 
discipline and discernment over his money, his money will increase. And the book of Proverbs would encourage you and I to consistently, regularly, and wisely set some money aside. Not only for a rainy day, for those things that just happen in life that you haven't put in your day planner, but for that time when you retire and are more dependent. And one of the ways that you will be able to deal with life in all its dimensions is through saving and wise investment by thinking ahead. If you splurge with no thought of tomorrow, you are not a wise person and you are not handling your money in a godly, God-glorifying manner. In fact, Jesus hints at that, doesn't he? Write this verse down, look at it later, Matthew 25, 27. It's the parable of the talents. Again, it's this thought of stewardship that God has made us money managers, stewards of his manifold grace. He's looking at our lives to see how we're doing. There's going to come a day when he'll call us into the, his office and he'll ask us to give an account of our invest, his investment in us and our investments for him. And you've got this servant that irritates his master in the story. The servant who didn't want to risk anything. The servant who saw no return on the money. The servant who just sat on it. What did he do? You know the story. He dug a hole in the ground, put his money in there. And the master chastises him for his disobedience and his foolishness. And the master says, you know what? Okay, you mightn't be as adventuresome and as risky as the others, but you know what? Could you not have used just a little bit of your gray matter and gone down to the corner bank there, fifth, third, put it in there, get four or 5% on it. And then you had something to give me. But you just sat there and did nothing with it. The Lord seems to be fully aware of the principle of steady and wise investment. If that's the way to make money, through hard work, perhaps in God's providence through an inheritance and by taking what you've received by your hard work or an inheritance and wisely and steadily investing it, there's a way not to make money. There's a way the book of Proverbs condemns. Number one is if you make money through falsehood and fraud. Proverbs 13 verse 11 is just one example of what I'm talking about. Wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished. God will see to that either temporarily or eternally. Proverbs 21 and verse 6, we read, Getting treasures by a lying tongue is the fleeting fancy of those who seek death. Proverbs 20 verse 17, Bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth is filled with gravel. In fact, elsewhere in the book of Proverbs, you know this, God condemns the scales that have weights that are um, not their true weight. And so people get shortchanged in that business transaction. They don't get a full pound of flour. They get something less than that. And God hates the greed that prompts a man to rob another man through fraudulent business dealings. Money ought not to be made through falsehood. Secondly, money ought not to be made through exorbitant interest rates or abusive loans. This is another big theme in the book of Proverbs. It's called usury, where you um, loan someone and they borrow that off you at, at an interest rate, but that interest rate is exorbitant, where you take advantage of the fact that that person's over the barrel. They're in dire straits and they need what you can only give. And so you fleece them 
And the book of Proverbs condemns that. Look at Proverbs 28 and verse 8, if you want to see what I'm talking about. One who increases his possessions by usury and extortion, gathers it for him who will pity the poor. God is saying, again, I will take it from you. It will not profit you. I curse it and I condemn it. Proverbs 22, verse 16, he who oppresses the poor to increase his riches and he who gives to the rich will surely come to poverty. What is the way to oppress the poor? By exorbitant interest rates, by, by abusive loans, by taking advantage of them in their disadvantaged state. Perhaps a modern equivalent of this might be price gouging. The word of God encourages us in our financial dealings not to be fraudulent, not to be those that exploit the problems of others. And finally, the book of Proverbs encourages us not to gain money through money that we cannot pay back or we don't intend to pay back. Look at Proverbs 3, verse 27. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. When it is in the power of your hand to do so, do not say to your neighbor, go and come back and tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. There's a debate on these verses over who is being spoken of, who is the object of the idea, the good that is due. Some would argue it's a needy neighbor. It's someone who's in a state of, of, of need. And therefore, if they come to your door and they want your help, you shouldn't say, come back tomorrow. You should meet the need of your neighbor if it's within your ability to do that. But there are others argue, and I lean towards this, that the, the good that is due could well speak of wages that you owe to workers that you have failed to give because you're gaining interest on their money because it's still in your bank account. Or it could deal with bills that are due and you are holding out. And so the book of Proverbs warns about that. It warns about gaining money through other people's money, the money that you owe them. It is not a godly way to handle your financial responsibilities. You and I need to be guarded and godly in our pursuit of money because we cannot expect the blessing of God that makes rich, Proverbs 10, 22. If we are not willing to be rich towards God and if we are not willing to be obedient in the handling of our financial dealings, remember, in the end, disobedience robs God of his glory and it robs us of the blessing of God which makes rich and adds no sorrow to it. It's a principle that you and I need to understand. You can never rob God without ultimately robbing yourself. Therefore, be guarded in your pursuit of money and be godly in your pursuit of money. And that's a question that you need to keep asking yourself. What will I lose in what I gain if I do it without God's blessing? Which brings me finally to the pitfalls of money. The pitfalls of money. As we've said on a number of occasions, money is a good servant, but it's a, it's a bad master. It's a, it's a tool that if we will use wisely and widely, God can advance his purposes on earth through our investments. But if we're not careful, that tool that has been given to us to build up God's kingdom can become an idol where we can serve our own selfish purposes rather than sacrificing for God's glory. Our possessions can begin to possess us. We can become enslaved to material things. 
In Proverbs 15 and verse 16, here's what we read. Better is a little with the fear of God than great treasure with trouble. There are pitfalls with advancing financial blessing. There are great temptations in money. I think two of them are debt and discontentment. Debt and discontentment. The book of Proverbs speaks about the pitfall of mounting debt. And Proverbs 22 verse 7 says, The rich rules over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. Debt can become enslaving. If you and I don't rein in our desires to amass material wealth and material blessings, you and I can borrow ourselves to a point of bondage, to a point of enslavement. And the book of Proverbs warns us about that, that debt can make a slave out of a man. In fact, that was literally true back in the Old Testament because if a man got into financial dire straits, he often sold himself into the servitude of his lender. And according to Exodus 21, verse 2 to 7, that could last for six years. And then in the year of Jubilee, his debts were erased and his, his time in, of servitude would be over. And so this is a very real picture that the book of Proverbs is drawing here, that if you and I are not careful, we can fall into the pit of debt and we become slaves to those we have borrowed from. Do you know that 25% of every dollar spent in America is used to service consumer debt? Sounds like bondage to me. Sounds like a form of slavery to me where every day you wake up in the servitude of MasterCard or American Express or Visa and your freedom has been taken away to bless others, to alleviate the poor, to bless the church, advance the gospel meet the needs of your family now and in the days to come. Some will die in debt and instead of leaving an inheritance, they will leave their family tied up in a noose of indebtedness. I like what Adrian Rogers said. The modern American has been described as driving a bank finance car over bond finance roads on gasoline he just bought with a credit card on his way to open a charge account at the department store so that he can have installment purchase furnishments in his saving and loans home. Boy, that's a sad commentary in our culture. The book of Proverbs says, no, be wise, work hard. God may top up your work with a gift from a former generation. But whatever you've got, Make sure you save and wisely invest or else you will become servant to the lender. The book of Proverbs says, watch out for the pitfall of debt. Before we move on to the last thought, let me help you cut down on debt. Think about these. This is a sermon in itself. I'm just giving you them in bullet form. Number one, don't spend what you don't have. I mean, that's a no-brainer, right? I mean, you shouldn't even have to scratch your head over that one. And yet we're doing it all the time. Most Americans spend six hours a week shopping in malls. Spend about 45 minutes playing with their children, by the way. And if you're going to beat debtor's jail, then don't spend what you don't have. Secondly, pay cash for your purchases. Use credit cards as a simple utility. If you're going to have a credit card, pay the bill off completely at the end of the month. That's what I do. I have one credit card and they haven't made a dime from me yet. 
And if you use discernment, you'll realize that $50 dinner at Max and Irma's put on your credit card, which you don't pay, will have an extra 18%. So you'll tip the waitress 10 or 15%, and you'll tip Visa and American Express another 18%. Don't spend what you don't have. Pay cash for your purchases. Destroy your credit cards. I've touched on that. We need to destroy our credit cards. And if we have them, we simply use them as a tool, a utility. They serve us rather than us becoming slaves to the lender. Number four, avoid impulse buying. So many people, it's amazing, isn't it? The kind of vicious cycle that this becomes in people's lives where they're in debt, they get depressed over that. And yet they'll go down to the shopping mall and spend the money they don't have for things they don't need so that they can kind of feel better about themselves. Avoid impulse buying. Don't deal with depression that way. Deal with it biblically. And ask God for grace to tighten your belt. Eat more at home. Number five, avoid borrowing money to purchase depreciating items. I think there is necessary debt I think we need to be careful with the phrase in Romans that says, you owe no man nothing or anything. I think a mortgage is a necessary debt. Unless you got an inheritance from Uncle Harry, it's hard to go right out the door, isn't it, and buy yourself a $150,000 home or a quarter million dollar home. That's a necessary debt. And in most cases, houses appreciate. So it's a good investment. But most things depreciate. New cars depreciate as soon as you drive them out the lot. A lot of things depreciate. And when you understand that, you're better buying things with cash that have a depreciating value to them. That's wise financial investment and action. And sixthly, prepare a budget and stick to it. If you have a budget, you'll not be impulsive or reactionary. If you have a budget, and a beginning budget might be 10% set aside for the Lord's work, 10% set aside for saving and wise investment, and 80% is operating expenses. That's a good budget, a beginning budget. Those figures might change as time goes by. But have a budget and stick to it. Not only does the book of Proverbs warn us in our pursuit of money about the pitfall of Dad, it warns us about the pitfall of discontentment. What is discontentment? It is a spirit that says, I don't have enough. It is a spirit that says, others shouldn't have what I don't have. It's tied in with jealousy, envy, covetousness. God entrusts riches to differing degrees with different people. And when you and I are not happy with our lot in life, Discontentment is a quarreling with God's providence and his provision toward us. And the book of Proverbs encourages us to be careful to that end. In fact, it's interesting. In Proverbs 30 and verse 7 through 9, you have this prayer by Hagar, conscious of his own heart's ability to um, forget God in wealth or doubt God in poverty. He prays this prayer of contentment. 
Proverbs 30, verse 7, two things I request of you, deprive me not before I die, remove falsehood and lies far from me, give me neither poverty nor riches, feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of God. This man understands the temptation that money is. It's a temptation to doubt God when you've too little of it. And it's a temptation to trust yourself when you've too much of it. It's a tyranny. If it's not put in its proper place because it leaves you wanting more of it and more of it. The book of Proverbs in Proverbs 27 and verse 20 warns us of this. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. That's a challenge, isn't it? We need to pray to God for a spirit of contentment. Our world baits us through advertisement to a point where we feel that we're not rich enough, pretty enough, stylish enough, comfortable enough. We need to guard our hearts against this. And one of the ways we can do it is by accepting what God has given us and be satisfied with it. How do you make yourself rich? Think about this as we close. Well, you can make yourself rich by um, how much you have increasingly, or you can make yourself rich by reducing what you want. You can make yourself rich by wanting more, or you can make yourself rich by accepting what you have. Contentment makes a poor man rich. Discontentment makes a rich man poor. A man talking to his boss one day, A boss who was greedy and grasping said to him, you know what? You may not realize this, but I'm richer than you are. The boss sneered on him, said, how can that be, friend? To which the man replied, because I have all the money I want. You don't. It's a great principle that echoes the book of Proverbs. Contentment with godliness is great gain. Managing Your Money. That's the title of today's message on Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. And it's possible you've been personally challenged today. Maybe this pressing subject has been a constant topic of conversation with your family. Well, you can hear these messages again when you purchase the CD or USB copy online at ktt.org. Or listen on the KTT app or podcast. Just search for Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. We hope you enjoy these biblical studies for living your life wisely and successfully. One of the ways Know the Truth shares the gospel with a world in need of truth is by providing helpful resources to our listeners. And this month, we've also hand-selected an encouraging book for listeners. It's titled, A Dozen Things God Did With Your Sin and Three Things He'll Never Do. This book explains the important difference between eternal union with God and experiential communion with Him calling the reader to focus on the cross and remember that Christ has defeated our sins once and for all. When you give a generous one-time gift or sign up to give monthly as a Truth Ambassador, we'll send you a copy of this encouraging resource. As a listener-supported ministry, it's your gifts that allow us to plan, produce, and distribute Know the Truth on the radio and internet, reaching men and women all over the country with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are a vital part of this ministry. You can call 888 644-8811. Or, even easier, give online at ktt.org. You can also write to us at Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, 
Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. And if you haven't already, be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Just search for Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy and click like or follow. Also, we want to give you a free copy of Philip's new devotional booklet titled Resting in God's Faithfulness, just for reaching out to us for the first time. Request your copy online at ktt.org or call us at 888-644-8811. I'm Wayne Shepherd, inviting you back tomorrow as Philip DeCourcy begins his next lesson from the book of Proverbs. Hear a new message about keeping your cool Thursday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free.